What's going on, lads and ladettes? We're, uh, we're here in episode 73, and this, this is a special one for, for many reasons. We got Phil Pritchard, Keeper of the Cup, joining us a little later. We got a new partnership that we're hoping to announce, but I'd say above all else, we are joined by OG Lads and Lawn Chairs, Ben OC and Michael Simony. What's going on, guys? What's up, boys? Thanks for having me. Sims, good to see your face back here again with myself. Yeah, what's up, boys? Happy to be back. This is my what, like third time back since since my since my exiting of the show. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the departure. No, yeah. I'm trying to remember. So you came on for the Christmas episode for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of. I know you were on for another one before that. I can't remember I'm what on, the context you're was. About, like MJ and LeBron a bit. But it didn't even get into like a full debate, which still needs to happen. But anyways, it yeah. does need to happen. <laughs> yeah, I've only been on once. I came out of the bullpen for. Uh, yeah, you co-hosted. No, no, you yeah. were on twice. You were on twice because you co-hosted one, mm-hmm. and then you came back on the week after or two weeks later to review oh, your performance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the match with anger. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm gonna take anger down this summer. Bad. Well, yeah, we know that, but. <laughs> Um, but this episode, we are, McGee said, we are going to skip our player battle. And that's because next weekend is the Masters. So, uh, coming up, this episode will come out on. Damn, I can't even think of the day that it's going to come out on right now. Uh, Monday. Monday, Monday the 5th. And then the Masters yes. start Thursday, April 8th. Mm-hmm. So, this episode will come out on Monday morning. And uh, in preparation of the Masters, we've decided to have these two lads back on. Obviously, we've had OC on to literally break down an entire golf match he had <laughs> hole by hole with uh, with Ang. Um, so these guys are big golf guys, and we're gonna take to the next level. And we're having a whole competition, a Masters snake draft. Yeah, and the fans can get involved too. Yes, and we're going to have a way for the fans to get involved, but that'll be explained later in the show. But guys, last episode, I did talk about these, and we put it out on our Instagram, the different types of guys that there are. And uh, we talked about the weather changing and how like different kinds of guys emerge. So the biggest ones we talked about was um, convertible guy. The second the weather's nice, he's ripping outside, snow's melted, convertible, like top down, and he's buzzing around town. Um, trying to think of what the, uh, the other, like our first ones were McGee, uh, shorts guy, shorts guy is desperation. He's waiting for the, that weather to change. He needs it so bad. Just a quick note about, uh, sorry, just a quick note about convertible guy too. He doesn't even need to to get that thing out of the driveway. It's just revving it in the driveway. (laughs) Yes. He's just letting everyone on the street. Yeah. He doesn't even need to get it out of the driveway. It's just those those four corners of the driveway, and he's happy. But it's just yeah. got to get the tarp off and get out of the garage. I have one yeah. of those guys on my street. <laughs> yes, the, I've seen that guy on the street. Stacked. Yeah. Then the, yeah. the other two guys we had, we had a driveway dart guy. Uh, yes. I silly put it in the episode. Like the, the back patio is not the three by three square that he shoveled off is not big enough for him anymore. <laughs> so he's got he's to utilize the driveway space. And then just the tinkerer, the guy who's just always doing up to up to something. Got his little projects going in the garage, garage door open, has the, the <laughs> yeah. skill saw just firing away all day from nine to five. And in the gutters clean. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, and uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, the, the Kalba boys, Ty and Damon Kalba. Um, both of them are big fans of the show. They listen to every episode and they actually did hook us up with the Phil Pritchard episode. So thanks to them for doing that because that was absolutely huge. The, the interview, they set that up, but Ty messaged me after the last episode and said, driveway dart guy, hundred percent doubles down on button up Hawaiian shirt, spread open chest hair flowing guy. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I like, even if he's not wearing the Hawaiian shirt, that driveway dark guy, a lot of times does have a golf shirt at minimum and the chest hair is flowing. Like it's, it has to be the combination. He can't just be wearing a golf shirt because he has to have the chest hair flowing with it. Shout out to Ty for saying that too. Buttons are illegal on those golf shirts. They're not getting done up. <laughs> yeah. He probably <laughs> just doesn't even have them. <laughs> yeah. Right. They've been ripped off for other use to put on his jeans. But boys, we uh, we did touch on it. I talked about a little bit here. Ty Kolba, Damon Kolba, they hooked the boys up with this next interview. It's, uh, it's something I think hockey fans are going to absolutely love and sports fans in general are going to really enjoy. And then people who just listen for the enjoyment of other people who love their jobs or have fascinating things going on in their lives, they're going to really get a kick out of this one too, because like we fully admit McGee and I didn't know what to expect going into it. Like we, we don't, we have no idea really what Philip Pritchard is like. We just know he's the keeper of the cup and that's kind of it. He has a cool job and that's the extent of it. And he came on and, I think one of the biggest takeaways for the two of us at the end of it was this is a guy who has one of the coolest jobs in the entire world and he does not take it for granted. He goes to work every single day and he loves what he does. And it like really came across in the interview. So it's really, it was really fun to be a part of. It was really fun to get to talk to him. And uh, I, I think it's enough teasing and leading up to this interview with that being said, let's get into our interview with the one and only Philip Pritchard. So joining us now on the Lads and Lawn Chairs podcast is a man who needs absolutely minimal introduction. You see him every single year if you're a fan of hockey and you see him on commercials and in one of the greatest sports museums, I would say, in the entire world. He is known as the vice president of the Resource Center and curator for the Hockey Hall of Fame, but he is more popularly known as the Keeper of the Cup. Welcoming to the show... Philip Pritchard. Mr. Pritchard, how are you doing? Zach, that, thank you. That, uh, that bio sounds like something I would have written and given to you. <laughs> I'm kind of well, biased. We do I, uh, I agree with you about the Hall of Fame and that it's, uh, it's the greatest sport in the world, so we better have the best museum and Hall of Fame in the world as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, you got to do it proper. You've got probably one of the coolest jobs in the world for what I think is the greatest sport in the world, and I think Ryan would, would agree. So I think it's pretty cool that you get to do what you do. Yeah, you know what? I, I always say if you uh, get up in the morning and love what you do, it's not a job then. And that's what we all target for. And hopefully us three are in the same situation. And hopefully your listeners are the same situation as well. As long as you love what you do, it's the greatest job there is. Exactly. So I, I mean, want to start kind of uh, at the beginning here. Um, you've been looking after the cup since what i could see i looked at a little research from december of 1988 um how did you come across this job like you are you are popularly known as the keeper of the cup that's an iconic title it's you're an iconic face in the game of hockey now 
How did you just become the keeper of the cup? How did you become the guy to look after the Stanley cup? Well, you know, I don't know if it's a, a blessing in disguise that nobody knows my name. They just know I'm the keeper of the cup. So I don't know <laughs> if that's good or, or not, but you know, I, I think way back to the uh, late eighties when I started at the hockey hall of fame and hockey was obviously growing. The NHL was growing in teams. The Southern teams had just slowly begin to start all the minor pro leagues across North America were growing as well. So it might be a timing as everything things act, but I, I went to Durham College in Oshawa and took a sports administration program. And there was the internship co-op. And I ended up at the Ontario Hockey League with mine. And it was, it was funny because that year I was, uh, I was working at the OHL League office. And coincidentally, our college teachers went on strike. And usually when college teachers go on strike or teachers go on strike, students are, hey, we don't have to go to school. And that was the same case with us. So I asked my boss at the OHL then, uh, Commissioner Dave Branch, who's still the commissioner there. I said, hey, I, I don't have to go to school anymore. Can, do you mind if I come in every day? And he said, Pritchard, if I don't have to pay you, you can sleep here. Just keep coming in. <laughs> so I, I, I just kept coming in. And I, I, I always believe, and true to my heart, uh, if you volunteer and and help out where you can, good things happen. And, and I stuck around there and he eventually hired me on. And then he came up to me one day and said, there's a new opportunity starting at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And he's on the selection committee at the hall and still is. And it might be a, a good fit. So I had worked in the OHL offices. I worked in the Canadian Hockey League offices. And then here I am in late 88, working at the Hockey Hall of Fame when it was at the CNE grounds then actually, uh, the Canadian National Exhibition Grounds, which people in Southern Ontario know is busy two weeks a year, but we had our Hall of Fame there and we were able to preserve hockey history there. And it kind of started from there and we looked after the trophies and away we go. So it's, I, I want to say it's, I want to say it's skill, but I can't do that. I think <laughs> there was a bit of luck there. There was a bit of thanking the college teachers and there was a bit of right place at the right time and volunteering where you could. So, so now I've, I've been a collector my whole life and now I get, I get paid to collect now, which is, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And it's something you always want. And, you know, we look after all the artifacts and arguably the best one is the Stanley cup. And it just kind of fell hand in hand to it. I, uh, the cup had to go out one time for the hall and it was a Friday night and I was the, the young guy there or the, the rookie, if you want to call it that. And our boss asked who wants to take the cup out. And I, I don't know if it was because of Friday night and everyone else wanted to go out partying or drinking. I don't know, but no one wanted to. So I kind of said, I put my hand up and said, sure, I'll go. So Jeff Denemy and I did it and I just kept putting my hand up and now I don't put my hand up. It's just, <laughs> it's just part of the gig, I guess. So, you know, there's, there's so many roads or detours in a road you take on life and mine seemed to kind of so far work out. And like I said, love what I do and I love meeting people and telling stories and hearing their stories and memories. And that's what the hockey hall of fame is about is memories and stories. So you love that stuff. It's perfect. 
Yeah, you're the curator of, of the coolest collection of hockey memorabilia in the world. And you mentioned briefly that, that you do collect at home as well. Is that, again, like hockey memorabilia or do you collect other things as well? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, thinking our museum is the, the greatest because I'm kind of biased too, Ryan, <laughs> and I think it is as well. Uh, so we do collect, obviously, all the hockey stuff. But at home, growing up, I collected hockey cards and pennants and um, programs and all that kind of stuff. So that felt right into what I did. Uh, today, I feel kind of guilty if I'm collecting hockey stuff at home. So I, it automatically goes to the Hall of Fame. Uh but I do have other stuff and interest in that funny thing. And if my wife was here, she could tell you some stories, but I have every pair of white gloves that I've ever worn. <laughs> I have them at home. So okay. yes, in a way that's a collectible, but it'll, if the hall wants them one day, they can have them. I have uh, sent my girlfriend slash she became my wife as we were working. I've sent her a postcard from every place I've ever been. So she has my entire work life in a postcard. And then I've kept the hotel keys from every hotel I've stayed at, you know, those credit card things. Yeah. I've kept all them as well. So Ryan, I guess to answer your question, they're, they're not really hockey, but they're linked right into hockey. So, so yeah, I'm still a hockey collector. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. It all ties back. It, it true. So true, Zach. Uh, so when I like search you up, you come up kind of with two different titles, one yeah. being your official title with the NHL, and that would be Vice President Resource Center or the shortened form Curator for the Hockey Hall of Fame. And then the other one, which I mentioned earlier, as you're kind of widely known as the Keeper of the Cup, which would you personally prefer to be known as the Curator of the Hockey Hall of Fame or the Keeper of the Cup? Well, it, it's funny you, you mentioned both of them because the Keeper of the Cup was given to me kind of by the fans and it's just kind of stuck. And I, I think as a, as someone in hockey or a hockey fan growing up, if, if fans appreciate you that much that they give you a nickname and they <laughs> yeah. associate with you, it, it's, it's an honor to be that way. So from that point of view, uh, I love the title keeper of the cup, but on the other hand, when I hear people talk about how cool the museum is, I, I'm pretty proud of our museum as well as, as everyone else that works there. So when I can tie it into the hall, that, that's always a big plus as well. So I, I'm not sure, really sure if that answered your question, but I was trying to be as honest as I could with you. Yeah, makes sense. But then on top of that, so um, you don't just look after the Stanley Cup. Could you explain a little bit about like what your job is and what you do with the Hockey Hall of Fame? Yeah, so being the curator of any museum, you look after the collection. And in the Hockey Hall of Fame's archives or our collection is all hockey stuff. So it's, it's everything from the NHL trophies to the Ontario Hockey League trophies, the Canadian Hockey League trophies, American Hockey League international trophies. It's our archives, which are our mild milestone sticks and pucks and jerseys and skates and that. It's our art collection. It's our hockey card collection. It's our photographic collection, video. Uh, pretty well anything you think of that tied into hockey at the Hockey Hall of Fame runs through our curatorial office. And, and for those that don't know, I, we have the museum downtown at Young and Front Street. And hopefully all your listeners have had a chance to go. And if they haven't, they, they better. Uh, but we have an offsite archives too, which is where the leaves practice at 
on Kipling at the Ford Performance Center. We have 18,000 square feet there of, of archives that are not on display all the time. So we have the luxury as a museum to be able to change our displays often. Wow. And I, I think that's what really makes our Hall of Fame great is because every time you come in, you're not going to see the same thing all the time. We try and freshen it up. We have a lot of interactive stuff and we try and stay as current as possible because as we all, all know, guys, hockey history is happening all the time. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be NHL. It could be the minors or pro or college, whatever. Something's going on that's making hockey history. And we, we try and stay on top of that as much as we can. Yeah, I know like my sisters, I'm pretty sure they ended up in the Hall of Fame for like a brief period. Oh, yeah. They won the silver stick. And one time we went down there and I think their team photo, one of the jerseys from yeah. like the team it was donated and stuff was in there. So that was pretty cool. Right. But Well, you know what? You mentioned this, the silver stick. We have the actual, the original silver stick, the trophy that when they first started the silver stick tournament. And I mean, I'm sure your sisters told you that's a great tournament. Probably yeah. one of the oldest ones going but it's a pure silver stick that they used to engrave the team names that won each year on it. It's it, the stick is full now. And now they have a, a plaque in that too, but we actually have that original silver stick as, and, and as many team photos and jerseys as possible, like you mentioned. So we try and cover all leagues, all levels worldwide. Speaking of the engravement into the silver, I think uh, I know I was wondering, I think Zach was wondering as well, um, the process behind engraving team names into the cup, as well as what happens when, when a ring comes off. Like, do you mind explaining just how the yeah, cup sure. and its rings work? I mean, it, it's amazing. And, and the Stanley Cup has basically grown up with Canada. It's, I mean, it's 129 years old this year. Uh, every team that's ever won is on the cup. All the players that are on there, they get their names. Their names actually get stamped on. They're not really engraved on. They're, each letter is hand-stamped. But it gets done in old Montreal and uh, the silversmith that does it has been doing it since 1985. Her name is Louise St. Jacques. And to me, she has one of the most important jobs in hockey, I think, because she is stamping hockey history each year. But it's a it's been a family business for the last four generations, which means her dad did it, her grandfather and so forth. Uh, but each, every year after the, the uh, Stanley Cup is won and we are able to do the celebrations, we send it to her for 10 days. And she does the process, Ryan, of engraving the team name, the year, and then the staff and the players. And I, I think personally, to me, that's one of the biggest highlights when the guys see their name on the cup for the first time, because then they know they're members of the Stanley Cup union they're a Stanley Cup winner for life. Nobody can take that away from them. Even though the cup changes size, and as you mentioned, we have to remove a ring every 13 years. Uh, and we do that because the cup is three feet high now. <laughs> and we can't have it growing. Any, like we removed three rings already. So we, we've removed about 10 and a half inches off of it. So if we had that on, we'd be over four feet by now. So. <laughs> And I I think the great thing about it is tradition. And the cup has had that hour-shaped look for so long that we want to keep that. And Brian Trache, who was a seven-time winner of the Stanley Cup, said once, the Stanley Cup is the perfect hype to hold over your head. So figure you win it seven times, you must know what you're talking about. So we keep that in mind. And that's (laughs) why we 
that's why we alter and, and remove a ring and add a new ring on the bottom because we want that that photo look of the guy hoisting over his head and it's not awkward or anything it looks <laughs> right yeah it, it looks like a champion right and then you kind of mentioned about like how the stanley cup it's been around for as long as it has and it's unique in that regard of being one of like i think it is the only sports trophy that is the like the one stanley cup um it's stuck around from the very beginning and then they just alter it as it goes along um with that comes a lot of responsibility in making sure that this uh, piece of history remains intact and stays safe as it goes through. How much like responsibility do you feel while you're like looking after the cup and traveling around with it? Well, I, I guess, first of all, Zach, before the responsibility part, I'm honored and thrilled every time I get to take it out. So that's, that's one for me. So responsibility to me is huge in that. Because, and nothing against the other sports, but you hit it right on. Hockey seems to be the only one yeah. that's the same trophy. And basketball's got a great trophy. So does baseball. So does Lombardi trophy. But they make a new one every year. So it, their tradition is different. It's special for them. But in hockey, you win the Stanley Cup and your hero might also be on the Stanley Cup and their hero might be on it. So it has yeah. that really powerful tie-in to the past and hockey is so good with the tradition and history, but every time it goes out, whether it's we're flying someone or where, or we're going to a new town or something, like I said, I'm, I'm honored to be there, but it's also a responsibility to make sure that at the end of that event, the cup has to go to another event and it's got to look as good as it did when it got there. So I guess in essence, when, Ryan, when you and I and Zach are 129, we might not look as good as the Stanley Cup. Maybe we will. I, I don't know. But we try and pride that we want it to look the same every day. And sure, it has some dings and that, but that gives it character, I think, and really makes it special. Speaking of uh, tradition and, and history, uh, so when the Cup is won, every player and staff member gets a day with the Cup. Is that correct? Correct. Do you know when this tradition started? And we're kind of curious as to who, who schedules it and whether or not you have to attend every single um, family's day with the cup as well. Well, you know what? I mean, first of all, the, the team, after they win it, they get 100 days with it. So it, it's from when the, the cup is won till opening night, which is usually about three and a half months, somewhere in there, which is about 100 days. So during that 100 days, they have to divvy up the team photo, the parades, the sponsor and partner obligations, the season ticket holders, and then the players and the staff all get time with it as well. So we sit with the team each year. And I mean, most recent one was Tampa after they won in the bubble and sat with the lightning. And basically we have a map and a roster of all their hometowns. Right. And we try and make it work. So, we have this big map and geograph geographically is a big part of how we do this because we, we want to go across the country once. We don't want to be going <laughs> Toronto, Quebec, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Toronto, Winnipeg again. We try and do it all at once. So obviously the guys have obligations during the off season too. So we, we make sure when they're available. So by asking what days are you not available and then we're going to try and make it work. Right. So during that time, we, do that whole thing. And that dates back. It's not very 
far back, 1995 was the first team, the New Jersey Devils, that actually got every day with a cup. And I, I remember the meetings in late 93 and 94 building towards this and working with Commissioner Bettman at the league and other league office people and the Stanley Cup trustees and the Hall of Fame and in discussions on how we can make this work. And it was such a, the phone conversations were, were so emotional because guys were gonna have the opportunity to take it home and thank their first coach or their first teacher or their best friend or whatever, the guy who sharpens his skates at the corner store, whatever it might be. But the players and everybody, they had no idea about this, that we were working this out. Uh, so once it got approved, it had to get approved by the NHL Board of Governors because they're the teams that win it have to pick up that cost. And once that happened, it was, it was pretty amazing. And it was like tradition happened right away. We, uh, we walked the cup out in 94 at Madison Square Garden on the red carpet. And all of a sudden that became a tradition, just like that. I mean, this is what's going to happen every year. And each player got it right away. And players from other teams were, they were just amazed that, holy crap, I can take this to my hometown in Barry, Ontario and have my buddies. Like it was, it was unbelievable. And it, the, the tradition has grown so much in 25 years that it's, it's amazing. And it, it's, it's, I'm thrilled to be part of them all. I love going and meeting their families and their friends and their buddies. And uh, to me, I, I think their buddies are the best because they don't care that the guys made seven million a year or whatever and won the Stanley Cup for for them. He's still their buddy that they, you know, whatever grew up with and call have all different nicknames for and everything. And the guys love that stuff. And to be around that is is pretty cool. And everybody's so happy for one another. It's a it's a great way to spend a day actually in the summer is going to a Stanley Cup party. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, we recently had on Robert Thomas a couple episodes from the St. Louis Blues. Um, he's 22 years old. He's won pretty much everything there is to win at this point. World Juniors, OMHA Championships, now uh, Memorial Cup, and now obviously the Stanley Cup with St. Louis a couple years back. But we asked him what his favorite moment in his hockey career was to this point. And he said it was that his day with the cup. It was when he got to bring his fan, his family and friends who've been there that all like up to this point and have this moment with them. Is there like a specific moment or maybe like a player that are even, even like a staff member or something that you got to go to their cup day and with their friends and family and you really stood out to you like, wow, this is very, very important. And like that one moment kind of, like has stood out to you thus far? Well, first of all, let, let me tell you a story about Rob Thomas first. Uh, and I don't know if he shared this story with you, but when we were in St. Louis, Matchbox 20, Matchbox 20 was there and Rob Thomas is the lead singer for that. Yeah. Did he talk about that? No, no. So so we, we go to the concert. So Rob Thomas meets Robert Thompson or Robert Thomas. Right. And they're thinking, this is so cool. How, how are we going to do this for the fans? And we're in St. Louis. They've just won the cup. So the crowd is packed. There's 18,000 people or whatever at this outdoor uh, amphitheater. And Matchbox 20 comes on. And they start playing. And the drummer, I think, goes, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Thomas. 
and Rob Robert Thomas walks out with the Stanley Cup and the place <laughs> lost it. it. It was unbelievable. Then Rob Thomas followed right behind him and went right into the song. But for St. Louis fans, it was it was unbelievable. And I mean, stuff like that is that's what to me is all about that kind of cool stuff. Uh, but on but on what Robert Thomas said. I can see how it's probably the most special day in their career because they're sharing it with more than their teammates. It's their teammates off the ice, their buddies, their coaches and all that kind of stuff. And to me, Zach, every time I go out with a guy, it's so special. I love going to different places that I've never been before or different countries. Uh, Anze Kopitar is from Slovenia, the only Slovenian in the NHL and he's won the cup twice. So to take it back to Slovenia, you see how the pride he had as being a proud Slovenian and bringing it back for his people. And, and to be part of that was, was so cool. Uh, Philip Grubauer won with Washington. He's from the uh, Bavarian mountains in North Germany, above Munich. Wow. And to, to meet him at the Munich airport and to see his family, how proud they were. That to me, and I, I mean, I can list them all and all that, but those are the special ones when they, the guy gets it and hands it to his mom or his dad. And that is so powerful. And to be a small part of that, it's, it's pretty cool. That's incredible. I, I can't imagine that feeling of, of just national pride that that's associated with being with the only guy. And then you getting to be kind of a fly on the wall to that. It's pretty special. Um, certain guys will always be considered legends of the NHL, uh, but not, unfortunately not everybody gets to lift the cup. And then there are guys like Ray Bork, Alex Ovechkin, who finally accomplished the ultimate goal um, is there any pl- one player that, that you've been the happiest for seeing them lift that cup over their head? Uh, I, I was thrilled when uh, Jay Bowmeister did it in St. Louis a couple of years ago because he spent a lot of time in, in Florida and teams that never made it to the playoffs. Right. So when you get to play in your first playoffs and you get to go that far, it, w- it was pretty special. Uh, I remember in Colorado and 95 when Chris Simon from Wawa, Ontario won it from a indigenous community up north of Wawa. He was so proud after he lifted it, but the first thing he wanted to do was take it home back to his first nations and share with those kids. And I I think each one of them, Ryan is, is all so special to see. Uh, obviously when Alex Ovechkin won it, the emotion he had was unbelievable and it dribbled down into the whole franchise. And, and it was great to see all that emotion because they, they're all so excited and, and so proud and all of that. Uh, I don't know which would be the, my, my favorite one of all, boy, that that's a, I, I don't know if I can narrow it down to a single guy. Just are to, you a fan of any teams? Like, do you cheer for any teams or are you kind of like the media guys who say like, Oh, I'm not a fan of teams. Wow. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I get to hang out with the winners. So that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Growing up, uh, growing up, I was a Montreal Canadian fan. Okay. Uh, they won in 93 when I was doing the cup back then. They, they didn't get the opportunity they do now. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I love the game. I love, I love NHL. I, I love the Olympic experience. I love the international game. So I think I'm a true fan of the game now. And I think that happened over the course of me working in hockey and, and seeing all the different guys. Right. I, 
I honestly say that because you get to meet hockey people and there's not really any bad hockey people out there. They're, they're all so special and they understand the meaning of family. They understand what it takes to get there and how hard it is. And they're, they're great human beings and Hey, they happen to be good hockey players too, but I, I like it when they're better humans. It's, it's, it's so fun and so specially part of their days. You mentioned that you'd become a fan of hockey kind of over your time, but were you involved in hockey prior to your um, job at the OHL? Did you play hockey growing up? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I played, I played ice hockey. I played road hockey. I collected cards. I, I was a big stats guy actually. And, and that's why I went to Durham college. Cause I was in the stats and I, there's no way I could do stats now, Ryan. They're just, it's incredible what the stats guys yeah. do. Now, but that was my love. I loved keeping stats and all that kind of stuff and, and collecting and see what I had in that. So I, I was a huge fan. Uh, and today, I mean, Hey, it's, it, I, I gotta be honest. It's I'm pretty lucky. I can get up in the morning and read the hockey news and that's part of my job. Or I can go into yeah. the office and look at my archives, or I can go to a hockey game and watch the game, and that's part of my job. So that, from that point of view, I, I think I'm very fortunate. But I think, as I said, and, and you mentioned there, Ryan, it's made me a complete hockey fan more than anything, more than just focus on one team. It's I love I love college hockey. I love university hockey in Canada, the OHL, the OMHA. I mean, when you get two good teams playing one another, I, I don't think it matters what level it is. It's a great game. Yeah, I think I think with your hockey knowledge, I'd be terrified to uh, be in a fantasy hockey league with you. I think you <laughs> just dominate. No, no, I'm good at trivia. I'm no good at the fantasy league. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, I want to ask a little bit just about the process of like presenting the Stanley Cup because I think that's pretty cool. I I wasn't uh, like McGee and I laugh about this little saying. It's like I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious. But uh, I think a lot of hockey players they do have some superstitions in the back of their mind. And I read that during the 2014 Stanley Cup Finals, the LA Kings against the New York Rangers. Um, if I'm getting it right, the Kings were up three nothing in the series, and they had a chance to clinch the game or clinch the cup, but you sat in the minivan with your associate Craig Campbell and you listened to the game on the radio because you didn't want to bring the Stanley cup into the arena. So I want to know, is that like your personal decision? Is that kind of out of the respect to the teams respect to the game? Like, why is it that you don't bring the cup into the arena? Well, that, that game four was in Madison square garden, actually. Okay. And so the first two games were in LA that they won and then the game three, they won. So they knew in game four, the cup had to be there. Right. So from the Kings point of view, they wanted it there. The Rangers did not. And the Madison <laughs> garden staff did not either. Yeah. So they made us sit at the bottom of the ramp. And I don't know if you've been to Madison square garden, but it's on level five. So you have to go up a ramp to get to the parking and they made us stay at the bottom because they, they didn't want it in. So, you know, we, we got to honor their superstition and that stuff, but they knew that, Hey, if it's the third period and the Kings are up, we're going in. Like we, we can, we can kind of work with the organization or the, or the rink people for a certain amount of time, but at a yeah. certain time they got to admit defeat and we got to go. Yeah. So we did sit in the van and we had it on the radio, sat with a security guy, an NHL security guy 
and an, a Madison Square Garden security guy and listened to it on the radio. Uh, the Kings actually won that in five, actually. We did yeah. have to go back to L.A. and won that, but we, we had to stay in there. Uh, but there has been times, uh, Boston, Chicago in 2013, I think it was, in the final, when uh, Chicago was up three games to two, and it, the, we were in Boston, in the rink. And there was a minute left, and Boston was winning two to one. So the NHL said, hey, guys, you can uh, go to the car, but, you know, don't leave the building. You load it up in the truck and just wait. So we had a staff member come with us on a walkie-talkie, and, you know, we're sitting in the van waiting. She says, there's a minute left in the game. All right, well, so we'll be first out of the game, first out of the arena. If the game's over and the, the Blackhawks don't win, we're the first out. So cars are falling out of the driveway and leaving. And then all of a sudden you hear they scored. Who scored? Chicago. All right, it's two all. So, you know, we've got to get the cup out. Who knows what's going to happen? So we're getting the cup out, and she goes, they scored. He said, yeah, well, you just told us that. No, they scored again. <laughs> so they definitely scored two goals in 17 seconds. Yeah. So then we push in the cup back through the parking lot and into the, uh, into the arena in Boston because now they've won the cup there. So anything can happen, and I, I guess that's why it's a game. But back to your original question, Zach, we, we try and honor their superstitions as much as we can, but at a certain point, Everyone understands you, you got to do the job. Yeah. Cause I was kind of wondering about like, uh, like you kind of touched on Chicago, but the Chicago series against Philadelphia, they win in uh game seven there. I was just wondering like in an overtime circumstance, or I, I don't know if it was game seven, but it was in overtime in an overtime circumstance. Are, where are you at with the, with the cup then? Are you kind of like doing the same thing? And then on top of that, how quickly do you got to get inside so to be prepared was, to present it? That was game six in Philly. And if, okay. when it's in overtime and someone can win, we're actually in the ref's dressing room with okay. the cup out ready to go. Okay. So if, if Chicago scored and if they, and they did, and if you remember that Patrick Kane scored and he knew they scored, but no one else knew. they yeah. scored. <laughs> so we're sitting there watching and Patrick Kane's going crazy and no one says anything yet. So as soon as that happens, everything's a go. The red carpet all starts up. But if Philly scored, security would have had us out of there so fast. The 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 uh, vehicle was parked in the Philly underground in the Philly arena. So we get in and leave. And hey, that I mean, I, I think that's kind of the cool things that that happen in hockey. Uh, this year was different. We were in the bubble and we had the cup actually on display for game one before Dallas and Tampa up in the stands. Cause there was no fans there. Right. So we had it on display. And I remember talking to uh, Stamkos and Pat Maroon after, after they won and talking about that. And, and Steve said, he, he goes, I knew it was there. They made the announcement, but I, I didn't want to look up. I, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I said, well, what do you think? Are you going to see me waving at you or something? Like, just up there. And he goes, I just, I, I couldn't look. And Pat Maroon had won it before. Just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And, but it was an, it was a neat tradition. And then that goes forward. The cup will be there for game one. Hey guys, this is what you're playing for. Like, let's see it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And that is a pretty cool there for, Yeah. We only had it there for a short time. Then we took it away and it was gone and you didn't see it again until it was won. So it was kind of like a teaser, I guess, but I think they know that's what they're playing for. They just, they don't want to see it until they've earned it. And I totally respect and understand that. 
So in, in terms of kind of handling the cup and your day-to-day operations with it, have you ever had like a mishap or, or anything kind of out of your control, such as you flying into a new country and the cup isn't there, lost in luggage perhaps? What's the kind of the craziest uh, experience you've had when dealing with the cup? Well, I guess there's two. Uh, one, when, when anyone travels by air, whether it's with a cup or whether you're going on vacation or whatever, uh, at a certain point, the luggage is out of your control after you clear customs, after you clear TSA, especially if you have a connecting flight. You go from one flight to another and your luggage is supposed to go through. So we get uh, updates from the airlines. Hey, your, your luggage is on the plane. All is good. Okay. First time we went to Czech Republic, we landed in Prague. So we flew Toronto. Toronto, Zurich, Switzerland, and then Zurich to Prague, Czech Republic. But in between the Czech flight that left Switzerland, there was only a 45-minute layover. And they said, it's going to be no problem. It's good. Well, when we got to Prague, it wasn't so good. So, you know, nothing against the players that they're thrilled, but they don't they don't want to see me. Like, who's kidding me? They don't want to see this. They want to see the cup and then they're happy that I'm there. They don't want to see me without the cup. So, right. so that, that makes it, I guess, as we all know, who has traveled, if we've lost luggage, it's, it's tough. And Hey, yeah. thankfully they've, they figured it out, got it on the next plane. So the player missed a few hours, but it's, it's, it's emotional. Yeah, for sure. Sorry. My dog is, uh, <laughs> decided to yell at everybody here. So no worries. No worries. Uh, I, Ryan and I could sit here and ask you hockey questions all day. The two of us absolutely love the game, love hearing stories like this, but we've taken up a lot of your time. So I kind of want to get into some of our fan questions. We put out on Instagram and gave them an opportunity to uh, write in and ask you things they wanted to know. So I'm going to start off here. Someone uh, wrote in and wanted to know who looks after the cup when you're on vacation or do you ever get to go on vacation? (laughs) I, I guess when it's, when I, during the season, we do have some slow times in that when the cup is not traveling. So I try and go then, but there's a couple of other guys, like you mentioned, Craig before that travels with it. There's a, a few other guys that travel with it as well. So we, we can swap off if we need to, but great question though. So yeah, I do get to go on vacation. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> our, uh, our buddy, James Leshnick wants to know if there are any crazy stories involving, um, the cup attempted to being stolen or somebody trying to stealing the cup? Uh, great question, James. I, 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 twice that I know of that it's been an attempt and it was before my time, one in 1961, uh, it was in Chicago stadium and Chicago had defeated Montreal in the playoffs. And then they were going on to play for the Stanley <laughs> cup. And, uh, and what happened, Zoe, sorry. <laughs> and, and what happened was, a Montreal fan grabbed the Stanley cup and ran out of the Chicago stadium with it. And I mean, obviously in Chicago, you're dealing with the police there. So it didn't end very well for him, but he was saying he was bringing it back to Montreal where it belongs. <laughs> so, I mean, whether it's a true hockey fan and being honest that I'm not sure. Uh, in 1978 to McGill university students, again, from Montreal, there's this Montreal thing going on here. Uh, they broke into the Hockey Hall of Fame. That was their Frosh Week acceptance. They had to break into the Hockey Hall of Fame and try and steal the Stanley Cup. Wow. Again, it wasn't successful. <laughs> but those are the two times that uh, 
that is actually on record or police had to do reports were, were those two times. So, well, look at me, Ryan. Is anyone going to mess with me trying to steal a couple? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. No. Nope. <laughs> Uh, so someone wants to know what was your dream job growing up? And then at what point did being the keeper of the cup and the curator of the hockey hall of fame actually morph into your dream job? Well, I mean, I, I like a lot of other Canadians or people from around the world. I wanted to play in the national hockey league. I, I played hockey. I think anyone that puts on a pair of skates or picks up a stick wants to play in the national hockey league. That's, that's the cool thing to do. I realized that about 15, that wasn't going to happen. I wasn't good enough. Uh, so as I finished high school, I, I actually started at Sheridan College and got an accounting degree. And thank goodness I'm not doing accounting right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, that'd be another podcast, I guess. Uh, but then after I finished that, I realized I thought there's, there's no way I can do accounting. I want to do something in sports. And I didn't know what I wanted to do in sports until I got to Durham and started looking into these internships that I took my collecting background and my stats and you, you compare what jobs they have available and who you can interview with. And the OHL thought I was perfect. So I first thanked them for that because, hey, I, I wanted to do something in hockey, but I was open to sports and that. Mm -hmm. And it kind of worked from there. But at 15, if you asked me I was going to work at the Hockey Hall of Fame and hang out with the Stanley Cup, there was no way. It wasn't even a dream. Like, it wasn't even anything thought of. I would have said it was awesome and unbelievable, but I wouldn't have never thought of that. Dean Rayner wants to know, who threw the best party with the Cup? Dean wants to know that? Uh Wow. I mean, they're, they're all different in their own way because each town celebrates different. The smaller towns, the whole village is behind it. The bigger towns, you've, they're very personal. I, I'm going to go with Timo Solani, though, in Helsinki, Finland, 21 with the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, you look at Timo, the guy could be a rock star. He could be an actor. He could be a model. He could be whatever <laughs> he wants. He might as well be the president of Finland. But, I, I mean, his, his party was amazing. It, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Finland before, but in the summer, it doesn't get dark. So you have no idea what time it is. You think it's like three o'clock in the afternoon and it's three o'clock in the morning. Cause it's, it's just, so the parties just keep going, but the, the Finns, I think love, love hockey or appreciate the game as much as Canadians do. So it, it was very special and, and they love to drink and, and party and that, and, and Timo was no different. And, He's a, he's a class act and he did so much for the community and that, but his, his party was, he partied like a rock star, I guess. So you want to say that. Um, okay. So someone writes in here and they're obviously a conspiracy theorist. Um, they, they believe that there's a lot of people out there who think that the Stanley cup might not actually be the same one that it always is. Well, obviously there's, it's known that there's two, there's one that stays in this, in the hockey hall of fame and one that travels and that like, that's the replica. But what do you, as the person who is in charge of being the keeper of the cup have to say to the people who believe that the cup is changed every year or don't believe that it's the same cup? Well, you know what it's, Hey, and, and everyone's allowed their own opinion on that. And I can tell you from the 33 years I've been there, it's, it's been the same cup. <laughs> and that and I, I think 
when you when you go into our archives and you see you see the set of NHL trophies and how well you we look after them and all the scratches and dents and that on it. The one thing hockey has always done well is keeping that tradition going. And I can show you a dent that happened in 2007 or 1994 or something. They're all still on there. And, and I, I guess at the end of the day, when we go to this much care of looking after the world's greatest sports trophy and having a silversmith, the same one every year, guys, if we're pulling a hoax, it's gotta be the best hoax <laughs> because there's no one going into that much room but then you ask the players and, and they will, I, I think, back you up on it because they won't, as you, we talked about earlier, they are so superstitious about it and they understand when they see it and get to touch it, that means they're a Stanley Cup winner. I, I think that's the answer there. But Dean, I think you're wrong. <laughs> no, that one wasn't Dean. Oh, okay. So that one right. wasn't Dean was the yeah. uh, best party one. Sorry. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, somebody asks where those uh, white gloves that you wear can be purchased. <laughs> uh, well, we deal with a, a company in London, Ontario, actually. And they're a glove supplying company that we've dealt with for years. But the funny thing about it, Ryan, is that every curator, no matter what museum, wears white gloves. And the reason curators wear white gloves is because all our fingerprints have oils on them. And the oils can get into the trophy or the artwork or whatever you might be curating. So we always wear that. And then in 94, when we walked out the cup for the first time on the red carpet, in our discussions with the league, Commissioner Bettman wanted that Hollywood look. And we had mentioned we could wear our white gloves. And what are you talking about white gloves? He said, well, we wear white gloves all the time in the museum to handle artifacts. You, you, you can wear them outside. Sure. We, you know, <laughs> so we match our matching suit and tie and we have matching white, white gloves. And it just, it's one of those things that just became a tradition again, but you go to the golf hall of fame or the, uh, the ROM or the Ontario science center, all the curators there have white gloves. They've just kept them behind the scenes. And, but I, I think the funniest part about that, if, if I am, if I'm at a hockey game watching a game or something, just as a fan, someone will come up to me and say, well, where's your white gloves? Well, you know, I, I don't have to have them all the time. I, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, they'll get wet if I'm drinking my beer and someone walks into me and spills it. I, I can't watch that. I mean, so I don't have them with me all the time. Uh, okay. And then I guess tying into that one, someone wants to know, are you in charge of washing the handprints off of the cup or does someone else have that role or how, how does that go? That's you? That's me, yeah. So every day, no matter where the cup is, we clean it. And basically, okay. as we talked about the fingerprints and the the prints and that, we clean that off every day. No matter if we're in a hotel, if we're at a rink or wherever, we, make, we polish it every day. And uh, like I said, I mean, it's 129, and we want it to look as good as yeah. it did on day one. Yeah, Shana Nichols writes in and asks, what's the grossest thing that you've seen go in the cup or that you know of has gone in the cup? The grossest thing, like food type? Is that what Shana's asking? Or we don't I, know? In general. We, we don't know. Yeah, I guess okay, in general. Well, uh, 
I, I can tell you, I mean, Chris Draper had a family photo with his newborn in it, and that didn't <laughs> end well, that experience. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. But food-wise, you know what? The One of the first times we were in Slovakia, we were in the middle of Slovakia outside at Trenchin, and uh, Thomas Kopecki, who had won the cup with Detroit and Chicago, he was having this traditional Slovakian soup in it. And... You know, it, we I didn't eat out of the cup. I, I had a bowl of it and asked him what it was, and he told us what it was in Slovakian. And he said, in English, it means the inside of the cum- stomach of a cow soup. Uh, so I don't know if that's <laughs> gross or not, but okay, it's been in it. And sure enough, I had to clean it the next morning too, so... Okay, I got one more question for you. This is my own personal question, not from the fans question, not related to the Stanley Cup necessarily, but just as someone who watches hockey as closely as you do and loves the game, if you were to predict a winner for the Stanley Cup this coming season, the 2021 season, who do you think is going to be the Stanley Cup champion this year? Who are you going to be touring around this summer with? Well, I've, uh, I'm in a pool and I have a Colorado Tampa final. Okay. That's okay. what I got right now. So. Okay. And, you know, and in saying that, I, I think they both have good teams. I think if Colorado wins one, they're going to win the next two or three years. I, I think they're the team to beat down the road. But I think Tampa's not ready to give it up yet. Uh, I do like the way that we might have a Canadian team in the conference final, which means there could be a Canadian team in the final as well. But yeah, in my pool, I've got Colorado-Tampa. You guys, right. what do you got? Who do you got, Ryan? Ah, uh, the diehard Leafs fan in me just wants to wants to give him a chance, but I don't know if I I can hang on to that pipe dream right now. It's <laughs> tough, especially with the recent slide. That's hey, what about you, Zach? Tough one. Uh, I'm gonna go Colorado Toronto final. That's okay. my prediction, and hopefully Toronto wins. As you can see, I've got jerseys and stuff up behind me. Uh, Leafs jerseys, little Maple Leaf signs. So I'm a lifelong Leaf fan, but yeah, that's my that's my prediction. I think Col- Colorado has likely to be the team in the final, and I'm just kind of hoping Toronto is the other team in there. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we got four teams are going to the conference final. So Toronto, Tampa, Colorado, and whoever else from the West, I guess. Yeah. Well, Mr. Pritchard, we really, really appreciate you taking the time. This has been really cool for the two of us as people who love love the game of hockey, grew up playing it all our lives. And on, we dreamed of lifting the Stanley Cup as well. Unfortunately, we didn't get there to hold it up. But I, I'm sure the two of us have our fair share of photos at the Stanley Cup. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time coming on, sharing these stories and kind of giving us some insight, not only on your job, but on the history of hockey and the history of the Stanley cup itself. So thank you for doing this. Hey, no problem guys. Ryan, Zach, thanks for having me. And Hey, maybe we can chat again during the playoffs. So when the season's over and we can chat about your Leafs hoisting it or the abs hoisting it or, or the lightning, who knows, whoever <laughs> yeah. the winner, yeah. whoever the winner. That would be great. That would yeah. be amazing. Well, let's see what happens and let's keep in touch. Sounds good. Absolutely. We will for sure. Thanks All right. For taking guys. the time to do this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks guys. Good chatting with you. Yeah. You thanks. as well. You Take too. care. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Zach. Once again, a uh, big thank you to Phil Pritchard for coming on and joining us. It was super cool getting to chat with him, Phil. Like I know like as soon as he left the, the lobby after we finished our interview, couldn't get the smiles off our faces. And then, and then he sent you that nice uh, follow-up text after the fact. Um, but man, it was just as a hockey fan, as a fan of sports, it was super cool just to kind of hear that like background insight into, into some of the things he's been a part of. 
I was literally on Instagram today, like on the Explore page, and I saw like Anthony Sorelli or, or maybe Carter Verhey or some guy's page, and, and it was like him golfing with the cop. And then I just see like, what the heck? Like, look in, and it's Phil Pritchard standing in the background of it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the guy's everywhere. The guy's everywhere. It's it's amazing. Honestly, has the coolest job in the world. Um, yeah, like I'm honestly not much else to say about that. Like it was just super cool getting to chat with him. Yeah, it was. And like you think about, regardless of if people realize it or not, or if people understand, every every moment that has ever happened with or around the cup, he's there for. Like even if he doesn't have a role in it, he's a part of it because he's there. He's right beside the cup. Like he's literally holding the cup's hand basically the entire it all. journey it's had over, what did he say, the last 33 years? Like this guy has seen everything there is to see with the cup. And I can't wait to have him back on after they win, after the cup is handed out this year, because hopefully yeah. I'll have a couple more stories for us to, uh, to add on. Maybe someone will knock Timu off the, uh, off the list Top. of the best cup party. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, like we okay, we, we've had Phil Pritchard, Anthony Snelly, uh, Robert Thomas. The, the lads are are intertwined with with the cup quite a bit, man. Wherever I the know. cup goes, the lad the lads are aren't too far behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And any of those guys that we've had on who've yet to win the cup, just uh, head on a swivel for those guys because <laughs> <laughs> the lads pump is coming. I talked, I talked about being back at work and I know these two guys can relate. McGee, you can relate too, because you worked outside, um, in like a, you were actually landscaping as well, just like me, but Simony working outside at a golf course, OC working at a golf course as well. Both of you guys play golf all the time. You're outside, you're getting rinsed with sun. Your skin is taking a beating. And then if you're outside and like you, you're getting dirt, you're for McGee and I, when we were, when McGee was landscaping and stuff, you're getting stone dust and soil and grease and everything like all up on your face. And for, for that to be happening, it, it gets almost difficult to like take care of your skin or to know how to take care of your skin. It can be hard to understand what helps, what doesn't help. Maybe, maybe you're using your body wash when you come home to wash your face and, and it just hurts. Like it doesn't work. But then yeah, is the, the Dove Men plus care, like the grainy soap. It yeah. Just scratches the shit out of my face. And then I got like my pores are a mile wide. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Incredible. But then on top of that, we're just got like we're guys. We don't have the same knowledge necessarily, or maybe the, the access to knowledge that girls have of how to take care of their skin. But I don't have to look anymore. I don't have to keep searching anymore because with Lads Skin Co., they've developed a full facial cleansing system for for lads women can use it too but they've geared it towards lads it's a sleek design it works on your skin it keeps it clean it keeps it clear and it's an easy to follow process they've got everything you need face washes um scrubs moisturizers whatever you're looking for they've got it so lads skin co at lads skin co on instagram l-a-d-s s-k-i-n-c-o on instagram and on tiktok if you want to follow them they're doing giveaways and stuff all the time that is the place to go if you're looking for skincare products and lucky for us they're the newest sponsor of the lads and blonde chairs podcast (laughs) how convenient how convenient lads working with lads and they have the same basically the same name lads and lawn chairs teaming up with the lads skin coat and i don't know if the partnership gets any better than that it just but works. It just works. But that being said, these guys 
as their first, as our first opportunity to work together. These guys are teaming up with us to give away a prize pack for our master's snake draft. So with OC and Simony on here, I will let OC, because OC was the one who came up with the idea and the rules and everything for this one. I'll let OC break down exactly how this competition works, and then I'll explain how a winner is handed out for the prize pack. So OC, take the floor. Okay. So we're just talking about strictly golf related? Strictly golf. golf related yeah. rules. Okay. Yeah. So uh, basically, we are doing a snake draft. For those of you who are not familiar, uh, one obviously goes one, two, three, four, and then whoever the fourth pick is, they pick first in the second round, so on and so forth. Um, we are picking six individuals that are qualified and playing in the 2021 Masters tournament. Within those six, there has to be one captain's pick, we're going to call it. So taking a little Ryder Cup theme, but the captain has to be the age of 40 or above as of uh, Thursday, April 8th. So um, should be pretty creative. Lots of great selections there. And uh, basically how we're going to do the scoring is uh, greatest score under par between uh, out of your six guys. Um, but only four of them count. So say you take two guys and they miss the cut. Well, that's okay. Cause you have four guys that made the cut and those guys count towards your score. Uh, cut players, I think get a score of 80 for like the two rounds that they don't play in. So they won't really be involved in the scoring, hopefully not for your team. Um, but it's pretty simple. And then Philly's going to do some stuff with the standings so everyone can follow along. It'll probably be a lot easier to follow along than online than what I just explained, but hopefully that was pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. So gist of it is we're taking six guys each. Uh, each of us will have our four, four golfers will count towards our total score at the end of the weekend on Sunday, the, the team. So one of our four teams with the lowest score will win the masters snake mm-hmm. draft challenge. Yeah. Lowest combined yes. score to par. Yes, Lowest combined score. Yeah. So the way for you guys to get involved, our listeners to get involved, head over to our Instagram. And what we're going to do is we're going to post each of our teams. And, and by the way, with the snake draft, once a guy is drafted, he, nobody else can take him. He's on yeah, your team. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're on our Instagram, head over to our Instagram page. The competition will open Monday and it'll close Wednesday at midnight because Thursday is tee off for the masters Thursday, April 8th. So, head over to our Instagram and pick which team you think will shoot the lowest for that week. McGee's team, OC's team, Simony's team, or my team. Whichever team you think will shoot the lowest combined score, comment on our Instagram page, tag that guy or write that guy's team name, tag two friends, follow us on Instagram, and follow the Lad Skin Co. on Instagram. Go over to our Instagram just to make sure you follow all the competition rules and you enter, you're entered to win. But if your team that you pick wins, so let's say you ride with my team, my team wins the Masters tournament draft, you will be entered into a competition among everyone else who picked my team to win a Lads Skin Co. Pro- care package. That care package includes the full Lads skincare bundle, all of their skincare face washing products as well as a full lads merch lineup, including a hoodie, a t-shirt and a crew neck. 
So reminder, go over to wow. our Instagram, tag which write which team you think is going to win, tag two friends, follow us on Instagram, follow Lad Skin Co. on Instagram. And if your team wins, you'll be entered in for a chance to win the Lad Skin Care uh, Skin Co. products. So pretty right. big, uh, pretty big competition yeah. here. Let's get drafting. Um, let's get drafting. So you before we over? started this, yeah. yeah, I'll just before we started this, um, we did a little like names in the hat thing here. And the order you got pulled, your name your name got pulled out of the hat. You got to pick where you wanted to draft in the snake draft. So basically, McGee went uh was picked first, he picked third, Simony picked second, I go in third, I picked fourth. And OC is going to be drafting first overall. Yeah, so, somehow uh, first. <laughs> yeah. So uh, OC, you want to take it away here? Yeah, I'm on the clock. Yes. All right. Um, obviously, thank you for having me again. That'll be the final <laughs> time I say thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I am taking Dustin Johnson. I think he is the best player in the world right now. Um, not just because of that. I think his last five starts at the Masters have been pretty much historic. Uh, he has not finished outside of the top 10 in that time. So if we're looking to get a good score on the board, um, even if he doesn't win the tournament, I think he's still going to be in the top 15 or top 10. So yeah, DJ's my guy first overall. So our second overall pick uh, will go to Michael Simney. Simney, you now have the floor. Well, I mean, I am coming off of winning our previous Masters pool for the 2020 Masters, humble brag. And uh, it stings a little that you picked DJ because he was my guy and he, he took me to the promised land in that. So with the second overall pick, seeing as DJ's off the board, I'm going to go with a guy that I think his game fits Augusta perfectly. And I think he's going to light it up this year. I'm going to pick Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas has the best wedge player on the green I think I've ever seen out of a player, which you need at Augusta, like crazy. Um, he's so pure with his irons. He's such a good player. He doesn't bomb it like DJ or like Brooks or Bryson, but he puts it in play. He has great approach shots. He's amazing around the green, great short game player. And I think he's been playing really good golf lately and he's going to light it up this year. So that's my second overall pick. All right, McGee, you got our third pick here. With the third overall pick of the 2021 Masters uh, priority selection, Team McGee uh, is proud to select John Rahm. Wow. <laughs> I love that. That was so No explanation. Cool. No explanation. <laughs> I just take, pick them and move on. I, I'm picking and moving on. One, because I don't know anything about golf. And two, I trust the lads and ladettes over at CBS Golf and the, uh, the odds makers <laughs> on, that, on that team <laughs> to make all my picks for me. I love okay. that. He's so Fair good. Enough. Yeah, he's can't go wrong with that. Not a fan of him as a guy, but like he's a player. He's like a very good. Guy. All right, Philly, back to back. Okay, so uh, with the fourth overall selection in the Lads and Launchers first annual Masters draft, um, I'm going to select my guy Brooks Kepka. Um, honestly, I just love Brooksy. I love the way he plays. I love watching him out on the course. He's just entertaining. His sound bites off the course are hilarious. Like 
I, I know you guys can speak to like the one where he had a couple years ago where he, he broke down the field and he's like basically half these guys out here, like they're just going to play themselves out of the tournament. Then like the last half, uh, I'm just better than them. And then these guys, they're going to choke <laughs> it away. And then I basically have to beat like six guys. Like this guy is just has a winner's mentality. He just proposed to his girlfriend, supermodel yeah, today, Anna Sims. Like yeah. he's going to be on fire. He hasn't played in a little bit. He's been taking a little rest. I'm pretty sure he had surgery or was maybe just recovery. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm not scared at all. I'm so confident in my guy, Brooksy. I'm going to ride him to the promised land here. Okay, so now I have the fifth overall selection. Uh, So let's keep it short and simple here. Uh, With the fifth overall pick, Team Phillips selects Colin Morikawa. Um, Morikawa is just a stud. Like, I, I don't know. I've been following him the last couple tournaments. He hasn't won uh, the last like three that he played in, but let's let's uh, talk about this. A couple weeks ago, my I talked to McGee. I think we talked about it on the pod. My Bet365 account was kind of hurting a little bit, and I was watching one of the tournaments. I was like, hmm, texted OC. I was like, I think I might sprinkle some money on a couple of these guys. You know, just like a little like $1 bet on a couple of guys. And uh, I said, I- I'm going with Morikawa. And Morikawa $1 bet paid off like 42 bucks. So OC and I were pumped on Sunday. I don't think OC even had money on him, but OC's texting me the entire day, updating me on <laughs> yeah, his scores. Yeah, no, I didn't. I was fired up for you though, because I need Yeah. That. All right, am I up? Or no, McGee? I think, I think I'm up, yep. <clears throat> With the sixth overall pick of the 2021 uh, Masters Priority Selection, I am pleased to select Corey McElroy. Oh, all right. Love Do you that. have any reasoning? Or... <laughs> okay. How do you feel about his Thursday performances on majors lately? <laughs> Doesn't matter to me. He had a good showing last year at Augusta, so he did. Right he did. He did. If he didn't shoot a seventy-five or whatever he shot on Thursday, then he would have been contending with DJ. But yeah, for sure. All right. I might catch some flack for this one, dude. But... I I know. Oh, I already you're know who you're gonna pick. Why is he still on the board? I'm picking. Bryson DeChambeau. Yes. Before sir. you say anything, let me speak. No. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Par 67 in the 2020 Masters or whatever he said in the media. That That's freak. an embarrassing. I hate him. I actually hate him, but I'm picking him. Anyways. I hate him more than you. I this, think. Guy call, this guy says he's going at a Par 67 Augusta. Like douchebag move and then he just gets roasted by the course of course because that's just golf gods like screwing him over but this year he's coming in he's playing great he's been playing great golf he just won the Arnold Palmer um he hits it like the deepest I've seen anyone ever hit it other than like Kyle Berkshire that freak yeah yeah long drive (laughs) train together yeah and he's coming in he's gonna come into the Masters I think hopefully a little more humbled by the course, um, lower expectations for himself. And I think he's going to light it up. Honestly, I think, I think part 67 is in play. No, that's a joke. No. <laughs> but he's, he's going to, I think he's going to do well. Yeah. OC, you texted the three of, we, we had a group chat trying to figure out <laughs> the rules of this competition and OC sends a list of the rules. And the very last rule is no one pick Bryson. <laughs> do not pick Bryson. I don't know. I just can't stand him. And all the narratives, like him are, all the narratives are out about him. Like he's 
his interviews are planned and they're scripted and yeah he's just mentioning sponsors and i've i heard in a chicklets interview uh wit said that he passes out in his like simulator because he's hitting balls so hard and for so long dude i was someone actually someone actually has to physically like catch him but he says that <laughs> uh, it just like revived it's just a, a reboot of his entire system. That's what he said. He said that. He's like, it's no. a, his entire central nervous system, and he needs that every once in a while. Have you guys watched GM Golf on YouTube? Like, the like the like, golf guys that, like, go yeah. around for, like, matches with each other. And, like, like <laughs> yeah. anyways, they've been hanging out with Bryson, like, a lot lately, and I've been watching some videos. And they've been, like, going to his house. And, like, he, he hits 100 balls a day in his, like, simulator as hard as he can. Yeah. And he's, just, like, dripping sweat, like, the entire <laughs> time. He gets up to, like, 217 mile per hour ball speed, which is, like, ridiculous. Like, stupid. Freak ball speed. Yeah. And he's just like, he's actually an animal. Like, there's something wrong with him. But he's my guy, and I'm rolling with him. <laughs> All right. I love it. <laughs> OC, last pick of the second round here. Okay. I am going to take a guy that is extremely underrated. He has become more popular, I think, uh, recently. But I am proud to select in the second round uh, from California, Patrick Cantley. I oh, think this guy is an absolute stud. He rolls the rock like no one I have ever seen with how smooth his putting stroke is. Um, and just a quick stat for the fans out there, Patrick Canley is top five in scrambling this year. So that means getting up and down to save par. And that is one of the biggest keys at Augusta. Mm. All right. And you're up again here with nine. Okay. Uh, to start the third round, I am taking an undersized guy, but he has a Kyle Lowry type wagon on him. Oh, Xander just a Joffley. Xander, Xander Joffley. Stud. Yeah. Um, I don't know how well he's finished at Augusta, but I think he's had a couple top tens this year. Um, he played good at the last pass. I'm pretty sure he's top 10 last pass. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just uber consistent. Got a beautiful swing. And uh, yeah, I like him on my team. All right, with the 10th overall pick, I'm going a little off the board. It shouldn't be off the board, but it is a little off the board. I'm going with okay. Sung J.M. No. Oh, that's Philly's guy. That's my guy. I'm going with that's Sung J. Every <laughs> tournament, Philly will send me his like guys that he's putting money on and Sung J every single one. <laughs> I bet Sung J every tournament. Let's go. Even like oh, 50 cents. Stick. I just bet he, him. I don't care. He is one of the purest swings I've ever seen. And he finished what second tied for second last at last Masters. Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. he's, he's tied for second with Cameron Champ. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he kind <laughs> yeah. of had a gross. Dude, he was. lights up Augusta. All yeah, he was T two last year. That's crazy. yeah, <laughs> that's my and guy, was, man. That was his first start as well. He had never played at Augusta before. <laughs> Great first start. I love that out of him. And he's gonna he's gonna bring it around here too in April. So. All right, McGee, number 11. Let's hear it. Uh, number 11, I'm going with Patrick Reed. No. Wow. No, okay, you know what? I know you're not giving any analysis on your picks, but you need to justify yourself right now, like right here, right now. I need to know why you picked Patrick Reed. Traitor. <laughs> yeah, Traitor. that's disgusting. Do you know what he's done, McGee? <laughs> What has he done? What has he done? He's no just idea. a scumbag. Yeah, like every round he plays. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait. Sorry to repeat that sentence. I missed that. I missed that. He gets caught cheating and like fixing his lie or something. Like, oh, okay. Never mind. He's, <laughs> he's taking the pick off the. Oh, I, I don't want. 
I don't want any stud. cheaters on my team. I don't want any. He is a stud, but I don't want any cheaters. Uh, over here. There's been there's rumors that his wife has like a Twitter burner account that just goes out and defends him like Katie. Too. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. None of that. I need I need morale sky high on my team. Yeah, dude, leave him on the board. I'm gonna take him. He's an absolute stud. He does cheat, but he is a stud. I just can't. I can't justify. Taking <laughs> yeah, I can't justify the pick. I'll take him. Over wins a tournament by twenty strokes. I don't care. I'm not taking him. No, nah, you know what? I'm gonna keep him on my squad, and I'll just pick someone who's an angel to make up, <laughs> make All up right. for him. Okay. You'll, you'll pick Corey next round. Yeah. Wait. So you're so you're keeping Patrick? Yeah, I'm keeping Pat. I'm keeping Patty Patrick. Reed locked in. All right. Okay. Okay. With the 12th overall pick in the 2021 Masters Draft, Team Phillips selects Tony Finau. Mm. Mm. I, I could hear it coming, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You knew. But, you knew. He's I don't doing, know. I just, I like Tony. I think he's always in there. Like he's been playing good golf. He's, he's that guy. Like, um, he's always just like top five in every tournament. Yeah. yeah. You know? So <clears throat> yeah, I don't need him to win. Right. Like we're not looking for a guy to win. Obviously a win would be nice, but we're just looking for good scores here. And I think, yeah. I think Tony will bring that consistency. He's going to play well. He's going to be, he's going to be just a solid player not get too high, not get too low. And He's going to give me a good score by the end of the weekend. That's that's all I can ask for out of this. I like that um, pick. Love it. Okay. So, number 13. We don't have to pick our captains at the last picks. With the 13th overall selection, I'm going with the hot hand as of late. He's had his wife slash fiance slash girlfriend, whatever she is, on her on his bag. He had his son on his bag. I'm going with the 40-plusser as my team captain in the 13th pick, Lee Westwood. I love that pick. You know his son's going to be on the bag this week. Or I, Yeah, I looked it up before we did the yeah. draft yet. Yeah. I love it. Lee Westy. McGee, 14th overall pick. Who are you taking? 14th overall pick, and coincidentally, 14 to 1 uh, CBS Masters odds, taking Jordan Spieth. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think that's a solid Great pick. Selection. I don't know. You know what? That's a, that's a good graphic. He's due. It's a good graphic selection. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to pick your team because of that guy. I'm debating, but I, I think I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to go with a guy that's always kicking around at Augusta for whatever reason. He always plays well there. Francesco Molinari. Mm. OTB off the board. Off yeah, the board. Seriously. My team's off the board. No one's gonna pick my team, I don't think. But well, you got like Bryce and you're in it. Yeah, oh, I respect that pick? one. It's 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 a uh, it's always nice to see an off the board pick here. Like we've yeah. all got some like basic names, and you just throw Francesco Molinari in there, like, whoa, wait a minute. So yeah. you're gonna get some like hardos too in the comments being like, This guy's a genius, Molinari. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you're you're a bomb. Both wizard. <laughs> you're a bomb. <laughs> but yeah. All right. OC 1617. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, with the 16th overall pick. I'm kind of debating here between two guys, but I think I'm gonna take the hot hand. And the American, and I'm going to take Scotty Scheffler. Mm. Okay. He has been playing well. I think he's playing right. well. I don't know if he's playing this week, but um, he was just in the finals of the match play. He's been playing well in a couple tournaments. Uh, I feel good about him at Augusta. I think he's young. He's hungry. And yeah. uh, he's looking for a good finish here. 
And uh, I don't know why I'm like out of breath, but. How's your breath? It's, it's not good, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant in terms of conditioning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Some green jacket options, but I'm taking a former champ and a guy who's been playing well lately, and I'm taking Adam Scott. Oh, the swings on tour. And like uh, for my money, and people can Google image this, one of the best looking player <laughs> combo, one of the best player caddy combos on tour. <laughs> These two guys are complete man rockets, and uh, you have to see, you got to see it. Just two Australian man rockets. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great pick. So those are my guys. Respect it. Sims. With my my captain's pick, I'm going to pick also a former champion at Augusta and a guy who just came off the Dell match play where in the fourth playoff hole against Philly's team captain, he dunks a hole-in-one walk-off in the match to win the match. I'm going Sergio Garcia. That was disgusting. That was yeah, disgusting. But he didn't even know what to say either. He's just like, yeah. good win. Like, yeah. Just another day. Another day for Sergio. How do you feel about the eyes closed putting? Does eyes closed putting? At all? Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't, actually. A beautiful stroke. I want him to do whatever he feels comfortable doing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, McGee, pick number nineteen. Pick number nineteen. I'm I'm going with my captain here. Um, I'm taking Lee Westwood as my guy. Whoa, 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 whoa! Did you take Lee Westwood? That's my last pick. Okay, well, if that's the case, I'm going with Justin Rose as my captain. That's a solid pick. That's a great yeah, pick. that is a great pick. He's always in the mix at a major. Yeah, guys, I'm gonna play to the uh, to the home crowd. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the fans involved. I'm really no. gonna pump up the nationality. Let's play the nat. Let's play O Canada on the uh, on the 18th green when we're handing out the green jacket with the 20th overall selection. I'm selecting Corey Connors. Mm. That's he is pick. red hot. I wanted him, but okay. You know what? Oh man. But with my final selection, I'm going with another Canadian. Mackenzie Hughes. The 21st pick. I will be selecting Mackenzie Hughes. I don't know. I'm just I, I just have a good feeling. You know, I just like it's a gut feeling. It Are my brain. Eggs? Are you gonna have yeah. beside your pick? <laughs> I need I need the Canadian flag. I'm gonna be running through Aurora with the Canadian flag when they Mackenzie Hughes wins the Masters on Sunday and I win our Masters pool because him and Corey Connors were in the final pairing. <laughs> Dude, I, I love it. All right. Those are my last two guys. So to recap my team real quick, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, and my captain, Lee Westwood. So, McGee, why don't you make your final selection of the 2021 Master Snake Draft? My final selection of the Master Snake Draft from going international, I'm picking up Hideki Matsuyama. Oh, oh. that's a great uh, final round selection. He's so good. Okay, so McGee's final pick is in, and his team consists of John Rom, 
Rory McIlroy, Patrick Reed, Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, and his team captain, Justin Rose. Simony, why don't you give us our Michael Jordan pick of the 2021 mm. Masters draft? It was meant <laughs> to be. It was meant to be. All right, with my final selection in our Masters snake draft, I'm going with a young team tailor-made member with a swing that is like so ugly, but I don't even care. He's a stick. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I like it. I like it. So Simony's final pick is in, and his team is Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, my guy Sung JM, Francesco Molinari, Matthew Wolf, and team captain Sergio Garcia. OC, you came up with this whole idea. Somehow you end up with the first overall pick. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> Fate of the draft in your hands. You could end up with the Pavel Datsuk of this 2021 <laughs> Masters draft. Who is the 24th selection of the 2021 Masters snake draft? I'm going to take the veteran. I think he's absolutely dialed at majors and he doesn't get enough love, but he's been a top 10 guy for a long time. And I'm taking Webb Simpson. Oh, wow. All right. So the 2021 masters snake draft is complete. The final pick is in and Benjamin O'Callaghan team consists of first overall pick Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Scotty Scheffler, Webb Simpson, and Adam Scott as his team captain. There we go, folks. We went on a wild journey. McGee picked a guy I already picked. We went absolutely off the board. McGee almost picked a guy and then unpicked him. <laughs> yeah, I was close. <laughs> but, Getting the benefit uh, of the doubt this time around. But <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think this is a good draft. I think this is a yeah. good first annual. Definitely work out the kinks. We figure this one out. But uh, I don't I don't know. I'm pretty pumped about it. I think this is great content, and I think that it's even better that this gets capped off with a little lad skin co. Uh, care package to the winner of the like someone who backs the winner of the masters pool so make sure you go on our instagram um follow us follow lad skin co comment on our post who you think's team which team you think is going to win and tag two friends in the post for your, like and then if your team wins you're entered into a draw for the lad skin co package so i'm pretty pumped about that but uh boys all right. Well, uh, one of the other topics that kind of comes up every time the Masters comes around, and I know it's a it's a big thing, is the Masters dinner. So basically, the guy who wins the Masters the year before, he gets to decide what the dinner is that's served to. I guess it's like the champions of the Masters, all the previous yeah. champions of the Masters. They all like, come together and have dinner together, and then the most recent winner picks the menu for that night, and they all eat the, that dinner. So Dustin Johnson's list was released or his master's club dinner was released. And let, let me just run through it quickly here. So it, it consists of appetizers, a first course, fam, uh, sides, main course, and a dessert. So appetizers, pigs in a blanket and lobster and corn fritters. First course, house salad or Caesar salad. Family style sides, mashed potatoes and spring vegetables. Main course, filet mignon and miso marinated sea bass. Dessert, peach cobbler and apple pie with vanilla ice cream. 
So boys, we've gone through our master's snake draft. Let's say our master's snake draft results in us having a master's dinner. Maybe that's our own personal competition. Maybe that's what we got to do. Whoever wins this gets to pick a menu of what we have. And like the other three guys will have to cook it, have to cook it. So once like the, the shutdown that we're about to enter is done, McGee's home from school, Sims is done school and we get a night together, like back in the backyard and stuff. That's our competition is what we'll do. So like whatever we pick, that's what has to be uh, prepared. Maybe on a lesser scale, not as expensive. (laughs) We'll figure our own way to like notch it down a little bit to not be blowing (laughs) out the budgets. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to be our competition. But boys, what would you guys have in your your master's dinner? How would your master's dinner go? OC, I want to start with you because I know you, you had some ideas of what you'd have here. Yeah, I, I haven't don't have anything really written down, but just off the top of my head, I think, well, salad, I would for sure go Caesar salad. I mean, that is my favorite. Um, Undisputed. You have to you have to give options to the people. So I like where DJ went with the salads. I mean, yeah, house I, or Caesar. Yeah, I love the bottled Caesar, but I have been actually getting into making my own Caesar as well. Shout out my roommate Brody from uh, England last year. He actually showed me how to make a sweet Caesar, so I've just been using that. Um, and then for apps, I think I'd love to just have like a like some sliders or something. Okay. Uh, in terms of like burgers, yeah. So just something quick to get the boys going, mm-hmm. quick and meaty, or even just some nice garlic bread, not with cheese, but you know, like garlic butter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep it classy, and then uh, we'll move over to the main dish. Uh, I think I have to go chicken parm. I would Ooh. go chicken parm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, solid chicken parm. And then maybe we can obviously have some pasta with that. Maybe even add in a steak as well. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, you can pretty much put whatever you want. I think there's no limitations to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what whatever. it seems like. If yeah. you read through yeah. his, he had like literally uh, steak and yeah. uh, like some kind of fish oh. and stuff. So I want Little Caesar's crazy bread. <laughs> 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 yeah just like a donald trump uh clemson type of maneuver when he had the clemson <laughs> yeah. for their yes don's. dinner don's chick-fil-a but uh and then for dessert i think i would have uh chocolate chip cookies just a huge plate of chocolate chip cookies and then i'd probably have kawartha dairy ice cream because i'd be a canadian in the master yeah respects i like that one i like Mm -hmm. that one i don't know like i'm kind of on the same page as you and and with most of it like um i think salads caesar salad go to yeah respect with like the house salad mix up and then if you maybe you throw a soup in there as like a, a different option instead of like a house salad but like the soup I'd be thinking of, I don't know if you guys have ever had this. It's like loaded baked potato soup. Mm. So it's like potato yeah. soup. And then it's got like ch- uh, cheddar cheese, bacon bits. And then you can put like sour cream if you want. It's unreal. Um, my appetizer. Have you guys had deep fried pickle coins? It's yeah. like, it's like fried pickles, but it's the, it's just the pickles like sliced. Incredible. Incredible. So maybe I'd throw those on there. Love those. Um, Then moving on to like main course, just easy, man. Steak, any like 
I don't know, obviously like you go like filet mignon or something. And I was tell, telling my dad, like if it was at the masters, I'd probably ask for like Wagyu steak or whatever. I've never had it. I just heard how yeah. good it is, but it, just on a normal sense, like just filet mignon or something top sirloin, whatever. It's going to be like just steak. I love steak. And then garlic mash sides, garlic mash, some veggies, whatever kind of going with DJs, but simple, love it. And mm-hmm. then, um, dessert i don't know i'm a huge chocolate guy so i don't know i like i I was trying to think about it and i i like i obviously said i talked to my dad about it beforehand i i think maybe it's just because like right now in this very moment i'm like kind of craving it but it was like tiramisu that was like just on the top of my mind i was like just a good tiramisu i could destroy that (laughs) if that was put in front of me so if that could be made at the masters and it's like a high-end tiramisu i uh yeah that's that would probably be my dessert love it yeah i a lot of the stuff like i like yeah obviously caesar salad like we're all in agreement with that have you guys had um for family style sides have you guys had a twice baked potato at the keg yes oh yeah yeah solid that would be my family style side and, and some veg too. I like that main course. I'm, I'm not a huge steak guy. I don't know for whatever reason, I'm just not, but like I would maybe substitute that with like a rack of lamb. Oh, okay. Ooh, like prime rib. But, yeah. Um, I go. Yeah. Probably, probably rack of lamb. I'd say I like apple pie too. Apple pie. I might stick with DJ there. I love that. Apple Apple pie and a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Yeah, so good. (laughs) Classic, simple, (laughs) classic, but it's so good. Yeah, yeah, that'd probably be mine. All right, and McGee. Uh, you know what? Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't think uh, DJ's too far off the mark with his selections. Um, Caesar salad's definitely a staple. I wouldn't mind seeing some calamari in the mix. I mean, I always like calamari Mm. as a starter. Um. I don't, even some like a little like smaller portion size like a little french onion soup or something like that like that that's pretty good uh steak it's got to be like bacon wrapped filet was it it has to have barbarian steak spice on it too it's the only way i allow that to be served to the yeah. guests uh and then for dessert i was thinking maybe like a canadian style buffet get some beaver tail some nanaimo bars in there Ooh. love oh, nanaimo oh, i haven't had a beaver tail in so oh, yeah. right so nanaimo i like oc's bars, i like uh, oc's idea of getting a little uh canadian love going at the channel yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's like the bachelor when they had the yeah. canadian spread yeah. out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> arena what a it would joke. be like just the ultimate Canadian spread. You'd have like appetizer, like poutine. Yeah. And poutine then your, sure. your meal would have some kind of like female bacon or some sort in it, like your main course. I don't know what you, what would your side be? Like what's a Canadian side? I don't know if there really is a distinctive Canadian yeah. side. But then, yeah, beaver tails dessert. Oh, my God. Damn. <laughs> Something with like maple syrup or yeah, you'd have to have yes. pancakes as a starter with maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd be drinking the maple syrup too. Just they just fill your glasses. The waiter would come up, they take one sip, you'd be right there filling it again. You have the dinner in an igloo too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Freshly imported. Well, yeah. I think that about does it for episode 73. This has been an incredible episode. Um, right from the beginning, breaking down different types of guys again revisiting that 
going into uh, an in- unbelievable interview with Philip Pritchard, the keeper of the cup, the curator of the Hockey Hall of Fame, and then announcing our Lad Skin Co. Uh, partnership. Like, I'm super excited about that. We're going to have those guys on the podcast uh, at some point in the next couple of episodes to kind of discuss their company, discuss their involvement with us, how that's going to be broken down and what we're going to do with them and more things you can expect from the two of us going forward. And then obviously the master snake draft. This was uh, the first annual and I'm pumped. I think I've got this in the bag and I think you guys are going to be cooking me some, uh, some filet mignon garlic mashed in OC's backyard while we're watching the Leafs win the Stanley cup this summer. But uh, I don't know, like at the end of the day, honestly, we, you can't, you can't lose here because if, any of us who win this we're gonna all be eating that meal together and every single one of us picked incredible meals so i'm not worried at all yeah 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 no one went too far off the board (laughs) no no it's gonna might be a scratch but i back it we'll see man we you might have some just people you might have people piling in over that francesco i am i am the defending champion of this master's pool so you are you are but yeah, we're, we're um, gonna get like we're gonna get a we're gonna like hashtag like Italy or something on the post and a bunch of Italian supporters yeah. raid raid our comment section. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, boys, thanks for joining us on uh, episode seventy three. Thanks for coming and being a part of this. We're gonna have to have you back on too once the Masters is done, just to like break this down and announce the winner. Sure. Even just briefly, just discuss uh, maybe some picks you wish you didn't take, maybe some picks you were really happy with, and uh, we'll celebrate the winner of the uh, the Masters draft. But yeah, boys, what an episode, McGee! Yeah. What an episode! It doesn't get much better than that. It was good to, to chat with the boys again uh, and having them having them on OC. I think this is the first full episode I've gotten to do with you in quite a long time. Yeah. So thanks, thanks Sims and, and OC for joining us. Thank you, Lad Skin Co. Once again for uh, I guess sponsoring this event and working with us moving forward. And a huge thank you to Phil Pritchard for joining us. Catch us next week, same time, same place, same lawn chairs. Cheers, lads and ladettes. Cheers. Cheers.